Hello everybody, my name's Jeff Watts and welcome to episode 60 of the Agile Pubcast. In this episode, Paul and I found a pub called The Cask and Glass in London and we didn't really have a topic in mind, so we ended up searching the internet, looking for questions that people have asked about Agile and Scrum. What could possibly go wrong? Questions came up such as, more than one Scrum Master on a team? Do developers hate Agile? Scope creep? Quitting a team when they won't change, pushing yourself as a scrum master, and the generic needs of human beings. Well, I hope you enjoy it. We certainly did. Play the jingle! Good evening, everybody. Hello. Let's hand it a little bit. Right. Just, no, no, I'm full of food. I'm so full. I'm, I'm doing my coach index. We're sat outside and it's a bit chilly. <clears throat> we just had a massive dinner. We didn't intend to have a massive dinner. We didn't realise how big the portions but were. I, our eyes are bigger than our bellies, Jeff. Well, we, we, we soldiered on. I think we did, we did a, we, we, yeah. I think we did ourselves you proud. eat so much cheese. That was a lot of cheese. A lot of cheese. I do like my cheese. I don't like to be beaten. Um, yeah, so anyway, there we are. So we're we are we're still in we're in London again. And what's it called? Cask and glass. Oh yeah, the cask and glass. Whereabouts in London glass. are we? This is in uh, Wilford Street. Which yeah, what area of London? Westminster? No, no, it's Belgravia. Belgravia. Belgravia Stroke. Not far uh, from Victoria. It's yeah. Victoria, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Near the palace. The palace. Her Majesty's Palace. I just stood up and saluted. You can't see that, but... <laughs> uh, cheers. What are you drinking? I am drinking Orchard View Apple Cider. Orchard View. Uh, how is it? It's very nice. You made a bit of a face when you just tasted it then. Again, it's just... The, I think it's the initial. Very fizzy. Very fizzy. Very fizzy. Do you like fizzy? I like fizzy. It's good. It's cold and fizzy. But probably just because I'm sat outside, it feels colder than it actually is. But... Mm. Um, no, it's nice. It's nice and sweet. It's a. I think this is a. A Aspels and what's the name of the brewery here? Shepherd Neem. Yeah, Shepherd Neem and Aspels um, collaboration. This one. Oh. It's very nice. It's very sweet. Which again, hits my all. Hits all my spots. Fair enough. Taste of apples. Pretty much. I'm drinking Bear Island. Bear Island. Why is it called Bear Island? I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But I've been to an island. On a bear, bear girls course, so I thought let's give that a go. Well, it's quite nice. Didn't see any bears there, did you? No, no. I've seen a bear. I, I saw. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, it's very hoppy, nice, nice and hoppy. Bit of a tang to it, just cold enough, nice. Um, little bit sweet, which isn't which isn't horrendous. It's nice, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely up there. I'm enjoying it. Nice, I enjoy that. Nice glass. It's like it's a nice. Um, it says, it says Britain's oldest brewer, Shepard Neen. It says that on that side as well. I wonder how old he is. Mm. If indeed he's still alive. <laughs> anyway. There we are. What, what do you want to talk about? Um. That's good. <laughs> buckle, buckle up, listeners. Yeah. You're in for a joy ride. Cold. Uh, how, I, yeah, I haven't really got a topic either. Not, not at the front of my mind. So, we get one? let's get one off the internet. 
normally we do a, a hashtag search if we're struggling for topics, don't we, on Twitter. But let's try a different social media. I'm not on Facebook, so we can't do that. Just browse the web or, what, or Google it or something. Well, I'll tell you what, I got, I got an email today from somebody asking me a question. Okay. They just emailed me to ask me a question. But it was through Quora. I'm not... I'm not hundred. I'm not massive. Quora. Q-U-O-R-A. Answers, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So the they, this, will you answer this person's... Or this person's requested you to answer this question. Let's go on to Quora and see what they got. I'll just type in our job. Go on then. Hold the line, Quora. Where does this name Scrum Master come from? Mm. Why can't the Scrum Master and the Product Owner be the same person? We've, t- we've done that. Uh, what does Google know about me? I don't think that's got anything to do with that, does it? <laughs> How is safe different from Scrum? What's in the normal day of a Scrum Master? What software terms should I know of? Mm. What does the Scrum Master do all day? What's the best online tool? What's the difference between an Agile coach and a Scrum Master? We've done that. <coughs> we've done that, yeah. What's a scrum meeting? In scrum, can a team report to two different scrum masters? Ooh. Well, that's, there's, there's, there's a few. Go on, yeah, there's a few things in there. Go on then. In scrum, can a team report to two different scrum masters? Is there any other quest- context to the question, or is it ju- is just, just that? Well, just to pick up on language, the whole thing about reporting to... Yeah. Screams of... Uh, Hierarchies and controls. Yeah. <coughs> Nobody should be reporting to anyone from a Scrum perspective. Well, there's they're not they're not expected to report to any Scrum master, right? That's, no. not, that's what you're saying there. No. Let alone two. So that would be my would, immediate response. Why would one team have two Scrum masters? What circumstances <laughs> could could that? I'm sure, I came across this recently. Someone, someone that someone asked me a question in the course about this. I suppose if they're a component two, team. I've had a two product owner team. I haven't, had, I've, I haven't had a two scrum master team. If they're a component team yeah. that's, that's, that's feeding two feature teams that have their own scrum masters and the scrum masters are uh, sort of managing dependencies on behalf of the team, maybe that's, that's a scenario I could imagine. Yeah. But they still wouldn't be reporting to that scrum master. And I think that's the, that's the nub of the question, isn't it? I think it? it's possible that a team member could be it's not ideal but I've seen it and we've we've been part of teams or we've, we've certainly been around teams where team members have been part of two scrum teams yeah yeah and therefore party to two sprint backlogs mm-hmm. not ideal yeah but, you know kind of valuable talents that can't you know there's just there's just not enough of those people in the, across across two three teams <laughs> So, test, test analysts in Nokia was a, was a key one. They, they had to attend two, three, maybe even three planning sessions and kind of coordinate their time, hours of the day, when they would be around and what. And, and who would those people report to? Well, that's interesting. I think they kind of, they kind of worked as a, as a community. So there's only like three or four of them. And they kind of... They had they sat with the with one scrum team day to day and they were out kind of loosely allocated to one team. But they kind of just from memory they worked it out on a day by day basis amongst the four of them. Okay. It wasn't necessarily agreement from the 
the scrum team they were in, they kind of worked out as a... As a okay, as a so they were, they were reporting to themselves? Yeah, reporting to fellow performance test analysts. Okay. But then, from a... I think from this question they were talking about a project progress point of view rather than a performance management, career progression, discipline, line management style. And I'm not sure whether we should, you know, we should diverge down that route, but hmm, yeah, that's. Why would you ever have two scrum unless it was two, two different products? Yeah, it's multitasking, isn't it? That that's that's the the under, underlying symptom. Well, that and the command and control hierarchical culture; those would be the two underpinning factors that I'd be more interested in than... And to probably to actually look at the duties that those two roles were fulfilling and whether indeed they were... Yeah, if they're, if they're that closely related, why why not bring them together? Yeah. Rather than have them reporting in two streams. Anyway, all right, there we go. There's the first question. Do you want to find one or do you want me to find another one? No, go for it. Uh, why would my coding employees be against us moving to Agile? How do I convince them that Agile is the future and the best direction for our company? This is something, so I've seen this recently on forums and things. The suggestions, again, maybe it's just me, maybe we're too closely connected, but the perception that developers don't like agility. I think they might, they could well be suspicious. I mean, there are there are risks. There are valid fears. Yeah, the transparency. You know, am I going to be more exposed? Am I going to have to do more? There is potential for using Scrum and, and agile approaches to micromanage. So, I could, like, you know, in the wrong culture, I could see it being a downside for developers. Mm. Um, I could be. Yeah, maybe I, I enjoy being a, an expert and a hero, and Scrum's going to threaten that. Maybe. But surely, not not many human beings, let alone their training, would turn down the idea of you know kind of autonomous working. Well, with great responsibility comes great power. <laughs> Almost the right quote, yeah. just in the wrong order, Jeff. With great autonomy comes great responsibility. <laughs> that was a nice edit point. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. yeah. But in this context, great autonomy. Mm. So the more autonomy you have, the more responsible you are. And if you're scared about the consequences of that autonomy, then you might shy away from the responsibility. The lone wolf syndrome. If you doubt yourself. If you, if you, if you don't think... I mean, we had people, who, I think in the past we called them Ian that have said I'd rather fail with something I know than something I don't know. If they, if they assume it's going to fail anyway, why bother changing? But you remember what people we used to work with, not Ian, different, different people in different teams that... I used to, one of the parts I used to love about working in those teams... Fox, Urban Fox. <laughs> um, sorry, we just saw, I just saw a fox. Real fox in London town. Um, where was I? Yeah, so the thing I used to love was the daily scrum, where you, where you'd literally have to stand up or you know or speak in front of your colleagues, and sometimes it was on the phone, sometimes it was face to face, and explain and fess up, confess to 
what you did yesterday, what I did yesterday to help you out. Mm. And the amount of people that would just try and, you know, skirt round, just talk a lot, as long for as long as they could get away with. Yeah. At, about fake news. And saying nothing. Yeah. About about just stuff that they thought was relevant. Mm. Like, oh, I managed to get my expenses done yesterday, and th so things like this were actually were of no relevance to any of the rest of us. I used to just encourage people to say, it's okay to say I got I got nothing. I didn't do anything yesterday, but it's amazing how. People think people feel that's threatening. Yeah. Of just saying I didn't, I wasn't productive yesterday. Yeah. But that's sort of something we can help you with. Mm. It doesn't have to be something you are ashamed of. Oh, without knowing the context, other than the question, the the face value of the question, I'd also be drawn to the how can I convince them? <laughs> if if you're going about trying to convince somebody. Then you have a you have an ulterior motive. There's an agenda there, and you are compromising their autonomy just by doing it. So even though you're, you're suggesting a more autonomous approach, but by doing it, you're compromising their autonomy. There's there's an incoherence there. There's a there's a mixed message, uh, which I suppose would make people suspicious. Mm. There's also visibility on quality of their work, isn't there? Not just about quality of commitments that. Mm we're doing what we say we do but also many more people are going to be able to look under the bonnet at my work yeah. and criticise it yeah not just from a sprint review perspective but if you're getting end to end on a more regular basis then you see it's not just about churning out your cogs it's yeah. whether the, the machine works oh. yeah so there's more pressure I mean there are there are obvious benefits but no matter what no matter how beneficial that that, that idea, that approach, that thing has, or is, if it's seen to be manipulated onto you or forced upon you or you don't really have a choice, then people will generally try and resist it just for the sake of exerting autonomy. Yeah. Sorted. Right, that's two questions done. We're on the way to solving the world's problems. How should a scrum team estimate story points? Boring. <laughs> How should a scrum team respond to scope creep? Okay. Who on the team is responsible for making sure our response is reasonable? Okay, so how should a scrum team respond to scope creep? And who on the team is responsible for making sure our response is reasonable? There was a question about this we, I think we answered a while back. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Richard Birch. But suggested about when should a team just go the extra mile to get something okay. finished. Hmm. You know, that kind of just this once. Yep. Which could be labelled scope creep. Mm. Well, what is scope creep? I'm going to look up a dictionary definition of well, scope it's, creep. It's PMI, kind of project management days, it was where requirements exceeded the initial uh, amount. So is that even possible in Scrum? Well, yeah, the product backlog can grow. Scope creep in project management refers to changes continuous or uncontrolled growth in a project's scope at any point after the project begins. This can occur when the scope of a project is not properly defined, documented or controlled. It's generally considered harmful. Because mm. hmm. I would suggest that scope creep, the words, don't necessarily have to imply bad news. No. If we found stuff out, that's, that's good if stuff. If we're going to make a better product, again, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't always have to be 
minimum viable product. It's about, it's, it should be about valuable. Is it? It's, it's not about viability. It's, it's not about cutting stuff out. It's about trying to increase value, surely. And if we found better ways to deliver more value to make a better product, why wouldn't we do them? Because we can't afford them. Maybe. Or it makes it too late. But if we're delivering incrementally and continuously, then there's no, no issue there. As a product owner, I've got to decide whether it's worth the cost, you know, the value that I get, whether it's worth the cost or not. But considering it a, a negative thing means we're more likely to turn our it's always always been using it as an excuse, well, like a la- like a label. Like, oh, I can't do that scope creep. Ugh. It's like even on acceptance criteria that it's viewed as if it's just a genuine oversight. Yeah, that a product owner has not quite seen something or analysed something mm. closely enough. They could be like, oh, we're not oh, scope creep, scope creep, oh. yeah. like a bad thing. Yeah, but genuinely, it's just. It's discovery, isn't it? It's um, learning. Yeah. And if it, I mean, if it could have been predicted in advance, then you could argue maybe we should have done. But a lot of it can't. Certainly in new product development. If you're learning as you go, yeah. Yeah. In terms of the response being reasonable, I think really it's down to the product owner to decide whether it's something they want to spend money on. It's about the cost-benefit analysis, like you just said, isn't it? About, yeah. does this stack up? So Knowing when to stop, I think, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, a very uncomfortable thing to recognise. Yeah. I did... Um, this is relevant, I'm sure. I, I sent out a newsletter a while ago, and I, I saw it this evening, just before we came out. I, I came, it came up on my screen again. Uh, because somebody took a screenshot of it or printed it out and posted it on LinkedIn. Uh, and it was 20 polite ways to say no. Yeah. And one of them was... So it was, it was basically helping people, people pleasers and say yes too much. Uh, so giving them some tools to, to basically be kinder to themselves. And one of them was, I'd love to do that. If you can help this, if you can make this thing disappear for me, I can do it for you. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, things like that, and that, that's that's from a product owner's perspective. For having that option put in front of them, the, this is what we know now, this is what we can do, and this is what we found out that we could do now. Yeah. Which would you like to do? The ball is always in their court. Yeah. I think we gave that that list. That I think somebody referenced that in a course that we ran recently, and I think at that point you ran downstairs and printed out copies for everyone. I think it was, some, it was like a, we did it as a giveaway, as a handout. Okay. But yeah. No, sometimes it's just not knowing how or not knowing that, that, that no is an acceptable answer. Yeah. That we just can't afford this or we just can't... This isn't important right now. Okay, next question. Yeah. Solve that one. Sorted. All right, let's find out. Where are we? I don't want to quora ad experts. How do I improve a team's velocity? Just add a zero. As a scrum master, agile coach, how do you know it's time to quit a team that's overly dysfunctional and unwilling to change? Wow. Oh, it reminds me, so we were sent a a question. Are we allowed to say this? I don't know. I don't want you to write that. About 
the uh, that advert on LinkedIn oh, yeah. for a team. Yeah. Can you find it? I will find it. Um, but it just the fact you said it was highly dysfunctional. So knowing when to quit, knowing when to walk away, is that the question? Yes, I'll read you really the As a Scrum Master or Agile Coach, how do you know it's time to quit a team or company that's overly dysfunctional and unwilling to change? So yes, I will read you this. So I was, we were sent a question, do we know this team that sounds like they're in need? It's a job description. My client is actively looking for an experienced Scrum Master to join a project. It's an initial three-month contract, an immediate start. Good understanding and practical experience of Scrum principles can handle big and spoilt team and ensure effective delivery. Aggressive and commanding in nature to control the team. Candidates should have experience in coaching and leading the non-Scrum teams. That's a genuine that job. That is a job advert that someone can on apply LinkedIn. for. On LinkedIn. So, Aggressive and commanding in nature in order to control the team. So... Yeah, if you, it's again, it's a part about personal values and personal drivers, isn't it? And your integrity. I think, I suppose, when I was first at um, a new job, there's an element of, first at Nokia, there's an element of, you know, new, new broom. Is that right? New, yeah. Um, you know, you, you've got an enthusiasm, you want to try and make something work, you, you're enthusiastic, you're positive, make an impact. But if that's if that's affecting your um, over a period of time that it's affecting you as a person, then you've got to take. But that's the same with any job. If it's not if it's not actually delivering any personal gain to you, there's an element of you've got to look after yourself and you've got to fit your own oxygen mask before you can help others. Yeah. Um, and. There's a lot, you know, a lot of this stuff. I've used the phrase on this podcast before: type two fun. A lot of these things, they're painful and uncomfortable and you know, not very enjoyable at the time, but they make great stories. Yeah. You know, the things that we we laugh and and revel over now are the, are the dysfunctional bits, you know, the bits that were awful at the time. They make good stories, and that's the greatest opportunity for success and and feeling of progress and feeling of achievement and. And so on, but there's—I would suggest there's quite a few people in that in that organisation that's posting that advert that could argue, could arguably think about changing their organisation. As it Ken used to say, didn't he, in one of his courses um, about um, I'm exactly he used to compare himself to his students, right? And he'd say I'm exactly the same as you. I've just failed a lot more times or something like that. He would say I've just I've, I've been just, sacked more times. I've been sacked. Is that what he said? Yeah. So there was there was there was a debate online about, and I get this. Um, There's another of our good friend Sam Lang. She was involved in this, and um, I've been, I've gone on record as saying, you know, scrum masters should be prepared to be sacked if they're not putting their job at risk. They're not doing their job well enough, and I, you know, I'll put my hand up and say I've said that, and I, I believe it to a large degree. But Sam disagreed in, in in one way and said, well, that's a very that's a, it's easy to say from someone in a position of privilege. Yeah. Um, someone who yeah, who doesn't need the job, and I get that. Mm. I get that. Um, but that need doesn't necessarily need, need to be financial. No. So I don't need the negativity. I don't need the hassle. I don't need the aggro and, and that. that yeah, do you know that that kind of? Thing. I want to know that I can make a difference. 
that this can be different. And if I don't get that feeling, then why waste everybody's time? Do you think there's a... Let's flip that round. Let's, let's say you're a scrum master that's only ever worked in one organisation. Okay. And everything's been a breeze. Mm. Everything's been kind of beer and skittles and, you know, kind of, you know, chest bumps and, you know, solid delivery. Okay. Never known any different. Yeah, I'm getting the picture. Let's say, is it, so you've got an opportunity to go and work, to, you know, to test your metal as a scrum master in a different organisation, maybe that's not as rosy. Okay. Do you think that's, you know, is that something you think you'd do? Or do you think, would you stay where... Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, because I get bored. I'd even probably... even of the good stuff? Yeah, well... See, there would be some things that you haven't really met. Well, I suppose the chest bumps, I suppose, is an element of the team dynamic. You know, I would enjoy that. I'd miss that. But are you, my, my question is, are you really stretching your scrum masteriness by... Just, even just a secondment it just like kind of because mm. I give the example um, I think a couple of student teachers on it, or teachers people that went that did teacher training yeah. uh, were deliberately I think they said deliberately put into some really challenging schools mm. to stretch them as, as teachers as NQTs and I think mm. and I think they're you know, kind of you know to see how they get on yeah. in really challenging environments <laughs> well it's just two, two, two things that come to mind one, um, I think you've met. I think you've met him, Big Chris. Okay. You met Big Chris, my friend Big Chris. Yeah, I think so. I know one of your friends called Chris. Yeah, I went to school with with a guy called Chris, and um, he's very. He looks like a Roman, like, as in he, he looks like he should wear a toga <laughs> all the time. He's very tall, very broad-shouldered, um, very Roman nose, and uh, talks quite posh. Yeah. Um, and when we were, I'm going to say 17, maybe 16, probably 17, we went on work experience to a local school. Yeah. Which was, um, there were probably quite a few free school meals. Right, okay. Uh, and, and a high truancy thing. And uh, so he's, he'd never, this was a guy that had never cooked a meal for himself. Mummy, mummy cooks his dinners for him. Right. Mummy, mummy makes his breakfast for him. It's still at 17, right? And we turn up to the, we walk into the playground to go to this school, and some kid comes up and hits him with a branch from a tree. <laughs> <laughs> like almost as soon as we walk into the playground, someone comes up and whacks him around the legs with this big tree branch. You're there on work experience, yeah, yeah. right? And and his response was, "Oh my word, Jeff, I'm going to die." <laughs> <laughs> just reminded me of that, of uh, that just a completely eye-opening new world experience for him. Mm. Um, wasn't wasn't eye opening experience because I used to be the kid that hit people with the tree, so uh, well, so that was not too different. But it also brings to mind a couple of people that I'm coaching at the moment, and actually a conversation that I had today with somebody who was saying, "So I don't know where my career is going. Mm. You know, I'm a scrum master. I'm doing quite well. I'm enjoying it. I've been doing it for a few years now. Making good progress. Getting your feedback. You know, got a few good stories of turnarounds and developing teams and things." Um, it seems to fit with who I am and whatever. Where do I go next? I'm trying to think, do I become an agile coach? Do I, what, what do I do next? And both of them, we had this conversation about, so if you're enjoying yourself now, why, why do you need to change? Why do you feel the need to change? Uh, and both, 
both these people have said pretty much the same thing that there's an expectation upon them that they need to move to the next level you know they've spent it long enough at this level and that if they're not going to the next level they're not progressing yeah and I think we have a cultural expectation mm. um, to keep progressing to keep moving forward yeah organisationally and family wise yeah in the UK and probably other countries and cultures as well and I've just seen far too many people who have been promoted to a level of incompetence and to a level of dissatisfaction. And if you've got if you've got a job that you love and you've got a job that you're good at, and why change just because the expectation is that you should? And neither of these people give me a reason why they wanted to change. Mm. They just felt they should change. Uh, I'm not sure where that came from. But it seemed relevant when I started. No, I know what you mean. But it's just, there's an, what I was getting at is: that, is there a strength? Is there a an advantage that changing and taking on a challenging, yeah. just dysfunctional like that? So that job advert. Maybe there's a you know the, the sadistic part of me that would say, I wonder what that's I'd like. Love to give it a go. Yeah, to just to just to just to try it just to see how bad it really might be but that taps into my one of my personal drivers you know I, whenever somebody says oh this can't be done yeah that you wanted I'd, to prove I'd love to do that yeah um, so these people who think about what to do next in their career if I was in that position I'd be thinking well I've got a job knowing what I know now I'd be tempted to, to think of a different approach which is rather than you know what's my next role it would be what's my next tangential experience so is, should it be a different domain should it be a different industry should yeah. it be a different country should it be a different size team should it be th- but still stick with your skill set that you've developed yeah, that you're good at a different way. And, and, and expand it across yeah. or deeper you know yeah I think you're right I think it's um, it doesn't even have to be it's, it's we've always said I've said this in, you know and we've said this on this podcast but I think we as agile practitioners have got more to learn from outside of our industry than we have within it. Yeah. So why yeah, why wouldn't you go and apply yourself in a completely different, you know, in a theatre or in a restaurant or in mm. a you know a school. A school. Yeah. And um so I did that. I went and I I've done a couple of days teaching, volunteering at my school. And it is. You, we think we think adults are, are difficult to manage in a classroom. You should try seven-year-old kids. It's a different. Um, it's a different thing. And I have the utmost respect for teachers that have to not only do that, facilitate and manage a classroom environment on a daily basis, but then sit there in the evening and plan what they're going to do. The, the, you know, for the next day. So, um, I I looked at it. Just before, I had a bit of a wobble career-wise. This was probably when was this? Probably when the dark BT days when I was thinking, you know, things weren't going great, and you'd all you were on left. The bench. Yeah, I was sitting there contemplating my future, <clears throat> in or out of the company, and I generally thought about retraining as te- as a teacher yeah. because I enjoyed seeing people learn. Mm. So you know. It's, um, Inevitably, it, just, it didn't go that way. Other circumstances um, presented themselves, but yeah, I, I think if you enjoy what you're doing. But so to, to my point on that is, I do still think that there's a an air of 
respect you gain from just trying taking on a challenge and I that was sometimes that was to my detriment in BT I used to say yes to everything if Dennis would send me off to do a project in Sheffield or whatever or that might be with working with some yeah. difficult people I generally didn't know how to say no and that kind of got me into some mm. pretty stressful situations that I kind of wish I had said no to okay. I'm definitely better at saying no now but I don't looking back now I don't think it genuinely did me harm like you said it it just gives you more stories to tell yeah well, I, so I'm different to you there in that I found my default response to be no to say no was it? it was but I forced myself to say yes um, I wanted to stay safe but I sort of taught one of my mantras from an early age was just say yes and figure it out get as many experiences as you can yeah. just do it yeah. it was uncomfortable it doesn't come naturally to me but it was something I forced myself to do and I think that I'm, I'm glad I did it's difficult but I'm glad I did uh, yeah yeah I'm kind of the opposite my people pleasing trait comes up my instinct is do the comfortable thing say yes if someone's asked me to do something say yes yeah. and then shit myself about how am I actually <laughs> going to do this rather than try and look at how to make it work it's just panic yeah. oh my god but you always do, don't you? I kind of muddle through it, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. How are we doing? Have we got time for one more, or is, are we... We're... Oh, I haven't we got time for one more, yeah. One more. All right, then. Make it an easy one. Do scrum masters have respect in their company? Can't answer that one. Does scrum have the definition of unplanned work? What does a scrum master do? Product management, product ownership. How do I handle an unhappy member in your scrum team after the previous scrum master left? We talked about that a little bit today in our in our about coaching. Okay. When um, as a scrum master, when we have we feel a duty to keep a team together. Yeah, one person might feel they don't want to be part of that team. You yeah. have an obligation to coach the individual to to, you know, to to get them what to get them closer towards what they want. Mm. But that might be to the detriment of the people they're working with on a daily basis. Mm. Yeah, we had a conversation about human needs, didn't we? Today, what you know, people are unhappy if one of their fundamental needs is not being met. So, what is it that this person is lacking? would be a conversation that I'd be looking to to see if I, I could have they might not be willing to have that conversation with me but I'd be interested in, in trying that and seeing if there was a way within the context to give them more of what they need without undermining the team uh, and ideally we're, while mutually benefiting the team but if, if it's not possible in the practical term which might be short term might be long term whatever's practical then maybe the right thing to do is to is to shake things up a little bit and move people around and form new teams. Mm. I don't think there's any... And I've had that situation of basically the, the, the positive response was to engineer a way for that person out of that team. Mm. And to be completely honest it didn't result in, they didn't leave the company they just moved teams yeah. but it was a better result for everyone yeah. everyone everyone 
even though it felt like you were breaking the team up, it was a be- it was the best result. It was what everyone wanted. Mm. Even though there might have been an initial kind of hit. It's like a situation I've got at the moment. Um, one uh, a company, uh, one of the good companies I work with in Bath. One of their kind of. I'm not sure if I should say this. I think it's public knowledge now. But yeah, I think it's public knowledge. But but one of the senior developers has announced they're leaving. Okay. So senior developer been around since year dot. So kind of part of the initial scrum team, the hardcore. See Britain's oldest brewer. Yeah, and. Um, but kind, of, but kind of the uh, one of the cornerstones of, of agility and okay. and you know the company's transformation yeah has got had, better offer had their head turned okay and it's like kind of a bit of a there's an element of, of shell shock oh my, oh my god I can't believe he's leaving mm. so it's like yeah it's a real kind of it's a bit of a wake up call for them I think that all of a sudden things aren't as rosy as they perhaps thought mm. that, you know maybe we're not as perfect as we thought but it's, it's a it's an interesting kind of and that's going to radically change their radically that's, well, that's it strong to, but, it, but it will it will have an it will have an effect on there will be a bump a team mm. bump when they when that happens and were there any signs that he was no I think it unhappy? caught everyone no, even I spoke to the scrum master he, he had no clue okay he was it wasn't a slow burning thing it was a fairly shock boom decision yeah and it might not be that he was ever unhappy it might have been no. absolutely fine there might not have been anything no. bubbling I, I think there is an air of, of a little bit he's been at the company about eight years and it's kind of got to that kind of maybe I need to try something from a, from a technology development kind yeah. of um, career point of view like you okay. said it's come to a point where he feels he needs to push himself in a different you know in a different way and, and learn new things one of the things we talked about today was you know, say about these these needs of, of human beings and we get we talked about a few different models there are lots of models out there from Maslow to, to Robbins to all sorts and we one of the, the, the Tony Robbins one around six human needs and how on the face of it, it might seem paradoxical but humans need security and insecurity yeah um, and so yeah, he's had security for a long time but maybe there the company there just wasn't offering him enough variety or challenge or novelty or stretch or whatever uh, and his need for insecurity outweighed his need for security and unless you're keeping an eye on that checking in regularly and asking the question it might might just explode but again in that situation I don't think I think it's I think it will be a, a healthy change okay, yeah. for him and I think it will be a healthy refresh for the team eventually yeah they'll, they'll be, short term yeah I think and you've got to kind of ride that out and I think everyone's kind of wondering what's going to happen when he goes and what, yeah. what's the uncertainty element of oh my god this is everything's changing and it, may, it puts people a little bit on edge and you know that's understandable but do you think others might leave as well I don't know it kind of creates you know a bit of tacit permission isn't it yeah that it's not a. Uh, I think generally, they have quite a low turnover of staff. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a bit of a, a new one. They weren't expecting it. Okay. Well, I have one more question. Yes, sir. Whose round is it? <laughs> yes. 
Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking rights. with us. And we'll, we'll speak to you next time. Ta-ra.